Buffalo, and welcome to the next episode of the EPRI Current. I'm your host, Samantha Gilman, and I'm joined with two EPRI experts, Stephanie Shaw and Kara Libby, to talk about Earth Month and how reduce, reuse, recycle can be integrated into the electric sector. So first off, I want to just give a little background on our two experts uh, who have joined us today. First off, Kara Libby is a principal technical leader here at EPRI in our renewable generation team. With nearly 20 years of experience, she's an expert in solar end-use management and circular economies, which will lend itself very well today's conversation about reducing, reusing, and recycling. Dr. Stephanie Shaw is a technical executive here at EPRI, and during her 15 years, she has investigated the environmental and safety aspects of fossil fuel generation, renewables, and energy storage. Hello, ladies. Thanks so much for joining me today. As it is April, it is Earth Month, and we're all familiar with the phrase, reduce, reuse, recycle. But how can we tie that into the energy industry and how we prepare for the decarbonized future? I'm going to start with you, Stephanie, with a question. Tell us a little bit, what exactly is the circular economy? And is reduce, reuse, recycle what it's all about? A great question. Definitions are key in this research area. Um, circularity is, is kind of a fancy name for a lot of concepts that really underlie the way that many industries, including um, electric power companies, um, operate. The idea here is it's circular in contrast to a more linear make, take, and dispose model. So instead of taking materials from the earth, refining them, processing, manufacturing things, using them, and then discarding them as waste, circularity certainly employs the concepts of reducing those materials, reusing them if possible, and certainly recycling them instead of simply disposing when they're done. So in this way, the economic output and the value of those products become higher because it's disconnected from that original material reuse. But those three R's, while they're the kind of fundamental basis of circularity, those three R's that you learned in elementary school, these days we talk about eight, nine, or even 10 R's. They include things like repair, refurbishing, and repurposing, in addition to reducing, reusing, and recycling. And finally, um, circular economies to, to create the greatest benefit from economics, environmental impact, um, as well as retaining all that value from the technology itself, have to be looked at in a very holistic manner. Um, if you're going to um, try to make best use at end of life of a material, you may want to design it a little differently at the beginning of life to make it easier to recycle or to reuse in a different product. So that holistic sense of choices made throughout the entirety of the product life cycle can affect all of those options becomes really important. So as we talk about the circular economy and all these new R's I've just learned about outside of reduce, reuse, recycle, the refurbishment, the repair, Kara, what are the barriers for the circular economy when it comes to wind, solar, and batteries? Well, one of the primary barriers are the economics. So for example, for solar today, the cost of recycling is over an order of magnitude higher than placing that material in a landfill. It's also a significant portion of the upfront cost. 
So at prices of say $20 per module to recycle today, that might be a quarter of the upfront cost uh, to purchase that module. Uh, there are a variety of solutions, and uh, this is a great research space to be exploring ways to drive down that cost. So at EPRI, we've been looking at innovative recycling technologies that are customized to recover high-value materials like silicon and silver that can offset those recycling costs. So improvements in recycling yield and quality are expected to drive down the cost of recycling over time. Another challenge is that there isn't a lot of end-of-life material yet. Uh, even though we've been seeing solar wind batteries deployed for the past decade or so, uh, not too many of those systems have reached end-of-life yet. And so it's difficult to justify the investment in these dedicated recycling facilities to handle those materials. So we're excited about a lot of the research going into those, but development of programs and infrastructure to support the future uh, volumes of that material will be necessary. And that presents a challenge today. I'd say the third challenge is really that the products aren't designed for ease of repair or recycling. And there's a lot of variation. Uh, each manufacturer has different lines of products and they're all uh, composed and constructed a little bit differently. So it can be difficult to manage that material the end of life uh, in ways that um, recover all the valuable material. Stephanie, do you have anything to add from maybe the battery space? Absolutely. Kara gave a really great um, set of reasons why developing infrastructure for recycling and reuse um, to enhance that portion of the circularity story has been challenging to date. Um, but there is a widespread recognition in industry, with researchers, and with governments um, that, that support is needed because this is the direction we have to go because this could be a limiting factor otherwise on our large-scale decarbonization goals. So as a result, for lithium-ion batteries, the U.S. has just actually created huge investments in infrastructure through um, the Inflation Reduction Act that was passed last year um, to enhance domestic manufacturing as well as recycling industries, specifically for lithium-ion batteries. And what that does is that helps give the industry that support it needs on the initial capital investment and while those end-of-life uh, waste streams start building up um, to get that industry going so that the availability and the costs are stabilized and ready when those volumes come in. Um, an extra bonus of, of doing that, particularly for lithium-ion batteries, is that there are a variety of materials that the government has deemed critical to our economic success that are in batteries. That includes lithium, cobalt, nickel, and graphite, among others. Um, and so because those materials are so important, but yet they're high value and they are generally controlled in very limited geographical regions around the globe, being able to extract those from used lithium-ion battery modules becomes essentially a domestic source of those materials that we have a bit more control over. So you're seeing a lot more governments go this way to try to help secure their supply of critical materials which has the added benefit of reducing the economic, environmental, and social impacts of raw material extraction as well. So that's a circularity story for you. So Stephanie, you just touched on the U.S.'s 2050 decarbonization goals. And at EPRI, we talk a lot about the decarbonized future and reducing emissions for the electric sector, among others. So Kara, 
How does the circular economy relate to those decarbonization goals for the electric sector for 2050? Yeah, we're seeing this massive shift in the way that electricity is generated and distributed. And we see significant investment by energy companies and others shifting toward renewables and other low carbon technologies, uh, both central station types of power plants, as well as distributed generation and storage. We're also seeing this trend toward electrification of our transportation sector, industrial processes, buildings, and that's another big part of meeting decarbonization goals. And of course, with electrification, uh, switching from gasoline to electric vehicles, that means more use of electricity. And it's important that that electricity be clean and reliable and affordable. So energy companies have a very important role to play in making sure that those new sources of electricity are moving toward a circular economy during this transition. We're expecting that energy companies are uh, using the huge volumes of materials that they're purchasing, um, that equipment, fuels, and they also have the responsibility to manage those materials at the end of their useful life. So I think there's a lot of uh, synergy between the types of circular economy thinking that we're we're discussing today and this uh, transition to a low carbon future. So you're talking about clean energy technologies and decarbonizing our industry. So if we're already putting this effort into decarbonizing the electric sector and these are already clean energy technologies, Stephanie, then why is the circular economy important if the energy we're generating is already becoming cleaner and more environmentally sound? Well, I think cleaner and more environmentally friendly are clear attributes of a system that uses lower carbon technologies like renewables, storage, and and other things. Um, But no technology and no use of our Earth's resources is completely not impactful, right? Everything that we do and use creates an impact. Um, the impacts that we may see from these newer technologies may be different at different scales. They may be different issues. They may be distributed differently around the world. And so we have to be aware of those. Now, while it's obvious that there are, are massive net benefits in terms of potential climate change impacts from this decarbonization shift, we do have to be aware that all these technology builds can potentially affect ecosystems, resources such as air or water um, or, or those land products. And we always have an opportunity to try to continue to do better. This is a long-term journey. Um, and another thing that I think sometimes is lost in this discussion is the fact that, you know, while we may be now mining materials that may be critical, um, which is a different uh, consideration than we've had in the past, what we are doing is using materials that can be essentially infinitely recycled. Um, as opposed to using a fossil fuel where once it's extracted, refined, and used, it's gone. So it's gone and it doesn't just produce um, greenhouse gas emissions, but then that resource is no longer available. Um, and so um, so it's really a shift in thinking around where our considerations and our efforts go. Um, but fortunately, with all of the research ongoing um, that we've been, we've been hinting at today, There are a lot of really great opportunities um, for the reuse, recycling, repurposing, and increasing that value for the materials we use. Um, And so that economic value um, is one important key feature around why focusing on circularity is important. We're going to increase the ROI of all that stuff that we build. 
Um, we talked a bit about energy security and, and control of the ability to produce that energy that we need. Um, but circularity is also about some other things. It's about mitigating risk. It's about being aware of potential considerations, both positive and negative, um, in advance of deploying that technology. And this is where the electricity industry and the technology industries here are really moving forward fast to, as um, potential considerations um, arise. Um, you know, EPRI is helping the industry move forward to address them and ensure that there are um, options, um, reliable, efficient options. Great. So Kara, your team recently released a framework for the application of global circular economy principles for the electric power industry. We'll have to say one thing EPRI is good at is long titles. So Kara, given this new work that just came out, can you tell us a little bit about what that framework is and what our path forward is? There are a number of circular economy frameworks already in existence, mostly focused around policy. Uh, we reviewed frameworks that were developed by the European Union, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, and the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. At EPRI, we wanted to develop a framework that was specific to the electric power industry. And we focused on three fundamental components. The first is the ways that we can lower the use of natural resources, so those materials that we're extracting. And one of the ways we can do that is through renewables, and we can also use those resources more efficiently, so energy efficiency and electrification. Second component is extending equipment lifetime and performing upgrades or repairs rather than decommissioning a system when we're seeing degradation or other issues. And the third component is eliminating resource loss through reuse, repurposing some of those R's that we talked about earlier. So we've detailed how to apply this framework to the electric power industry and specifically to renewable technologies like solar and wind and battery energy storage. And that report is publicly available. Great. Yes. I was just going to say, if you're interested in taking a look at that framework, you can find it on epri.com. And so beyond that, Stephanie, what else is EPRI doing to support the circular economies? Yes, we have an extensive portfolio of work, actually. Um, the uh, deep research of fundamental R&D around improving recycling technologies, demonstrating reuse and repurpose opportunities, and really digging into the, the the technical, the economic, and the environmental quantification um, is something that we do in several research programs. Um, we have environmental aspects of wind, environmental aspects of uh, solar, and environmental aspects of energy storage that are, that are ongoing. Um, but in addition, we've also created a circular economy for energy technologies interest group. So this creates a forum for the energy companies and supply chain contributors to get together and learn from each other around how to actually implement some of these principles into real business practices. So, um, so a lot of dialogue, discussions, lessons learned are shared there, as well as updates from global actions in terms of policy or regulatory movement. And we also use that as a venue to inform a broad range of stakeholder groups around what the electric power industry is already doing. And again, if you look at these concepts Kara mentioned, like life extension or careful selection of materials at procurement and asset recovery, 
a lot of these activities are actually already part of circularity, but utilities might not know it. So pulling that story together um, is an important work we're doing in the group. And mentioning the interest group, you know, that really ties into a theme that we've seen on many of our episodes and across EPRI and the work that we've been doing now for 51 years uh, is the importance of collaboration and EPRI's unique uh, value proposition of being able to bring the sector together and other stakeholders to work on these issues that are so critical to our clean energy future. Um, So it's great to see an interest group on this important, I'm just going to call it the reduce, reuse, recycle economy. Um, as <laughs> as that uh, really rings true for me and uh, I'm sure for some of our other listeners. As we wrap this up, Kara, uh, Stephanie, first off, and again, thank you for joining me today. Do either of you have any final thoughts for our listeners? I'll just say, I think the big concept around circular economy is one of stewardship, right? It's about best use of the materials, resources you have, which includes those, those, those physical objects, your staff, um, and our natural environment. And so what we need to do is really change the paradigm around those things being, uh, dealing with those things being costs and, and, and negative effects to one of these as being an opportunity to demonstrate that stewardship and, and, and care of our resources. And that's going to take a lot of education, um, both internally within electric power companies and also across that, that value chain. Yeah, I'll just add along the same line that as we talk with different energy companies, some of which are very experienced in operationalizing circular economy principles, they're already realizing some of the benefits. So instead of seeing participation in circular economies as one more thing they need to do, they're able to recoup costs by seeing value in those materials and finding new opportunities to use them. I think there's also growing recognition of potential costs of not taking action. So there's certainly um, evidence of legacy waste issues in other parts of the industry. Um, There can be higher costs if we don't take action now to establish programs and processes to uh, take care of these materials when they do reach end of life. And of course, if there aren't the policies and regulatory frameworks to provide certainty to the industry that can also lead to higher management costs later on. I think there's a great opportunity here that's mutually beneficial to partners along that value chain. Great. Well, thank you, Stephanie, Kara, for joining this episode of the EPRI Current and helping us celebrate Earth Month with a deep dive into the circular economy and teaching us more about how to reduce, reuse, recycle, refurbish, repair, and all the other R's uh, integrated into our electric industry. Um, So thank you to our listeners and tune in again in two weeks for a new episode. If you like today's show, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast and feel free to share the podcast with your colleagues and friends. For more information about EPRI, please visit our website at www.epri.com. And don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter at EPRI News. Together, we are shaping the future of energy.